Uh, I'm sorry if you're a little bit short-changed today. Uh, it should have been a double act with uh, Tim and myself. Um, unfortunately, Tim has managed to slip a disc in his back, so he's flat on his back at the moment. So do remember Tim in your prayers. Um, I've only had muscular back pain, which is pretty excruciating, so goodness knows what it is with a slip disc. So do please, please play for Tim. Uh, hopefully he'll be back on his feet quite soon. Um, I'd like to begin by reading the first nine verses of chapter 8 of Paul's second letter to the Corinthians. And this is from the NIV. And now, brothers and sisters, we want you to know about the grace that God has given the Macedonian churches. In the midst of a very severe trial, their overflowing joy and their extreme poverty welled up in rich generosity. For I testify that they gave as much as they were able, and even beyond their ability. Entirely on their own, they urgently pleaded with us for the privilege of sharing in this service to the Lord's people. And they exceeded our expectations. They gave themselves first of all to the Lord, and then by the will of God also to us. So we urged Titus, just as he had earlier made a beginning, to bring also to completion this act of grace on your part. But since you excel in everything, in faith, in speech, in knowledge, in complete earnestness, and in the love we have kindled in you, see that you excel in this grace of giving. I'm not commanding you, but I want to test the sincerity of your love by comparing it with the earnestness of others. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor, so that you, through his poverty, might become rich. Let's just pray. Father, we ask that you'd illuminate this passage from your word. That our minds would be alert and open to its truth. That our lives would be quick to obey it and live in the light of it. May we honour and glorify you in how we speak and how we listen. Amen. I was thinking about whether I should have a catchy title for this talk, um, and it would probably be something like, don't talk about money, and certainly not about giving. But I decided that titles serve little purpose. Uh, as many of you will know, uh, I'm treasurer to Wigan PCC, uh, and so it may not come as a complete surprise to you that I'm standing here daring to mention the word money. Uh, we very rarely talk about money, either here or at St. Thomas of Beckett. Uh, we don't take a regular collection, there's no offertory plate, there's no bag that goes around. Uh, and hitherto, uh, we've been limited to uh, providing updates on our finances uh, to the annual uh, church parochial meeting, the APCM, which is held at the end of April every year. Legal requirement for 
Church of England churches to hold an APC. Um, and it's interesting that on that particular day, it's amazing how the congregation shrinks. Kelsa Breeze. What is it about the subject of money that seems to cultivate almost an embarrassment, especially in church circles? I wonder. Uh, and yet it is worth stating that the doors of our two churches, so here at St. Matt's and up the road at St. Thomas Becket, those doors would be closed and our support of mission locally, nationally and internationally would cease without the generosity of those who faithfully give through the work here at these two churches. And so for those individuals we are enormously grateful. Thank you. Now do please hear me with what I'm about to share. I'm addressing myself as much as you. I'm not standing here to criticise, to complain, to condemn, uh, or in fact to lay guilt on anyone. But simply to bring into the open a topic that we should not be embarrassed about discussing. I wish to give credit to uh, Alistair Begg, uh, a pastor based in Cleveland, Ohio, uh, even though he's a Scotsman. Interesting Scotsman, I'm going to say Begg. Um, for his teaching on this topic, which has helped me in what I will share with you this morning, I must confess I'm a bit of a fan of his over the last few months. So let's get to it, and I'll start by making a reasonably bold statement. What, where, when, why, and how God's people give says something about the state of our commitment to the Lord Jesus Christ. I'll just repeat that. What where, when, and how God's people give says something about the state of our commitment to the Lord Jesus Christ. I don't know how many of you look at your bank statements. Our bank statements actually speak volumes. They're happy with paper, they can get one line. They say something, although not everything, but a quick look through the bank statements will show where the largest purchases have been made and where the largest ongoing commitments are to be found. It's all there for any and all to see, and everything, of course, is under the gaze of an all-seeing God. It's quite challenging, isn't it? If we give grudgingly, then our approach is essentially, I have to. If we give dutifully, then our approach is essentially, I need to. If we give thankfully, then our approach is essentially, I want to. And each of us here, to some degree or another, will be found as either grudge-giving, duty-giving, or thanksgiving. So let's take a look back at the passage that we read a few moments ago, which Andrew's kindly left on the screen. In verse 7, Paul gives top marks to the believers in Corinth for their faith, their speech, their knowledge, their earnestness, and their love, but he has a concern about their exercise of the grace of giving. Paul says, 
Make sure that all of these other elements that you excel at are expressed in the most practical of forms, namely the realm of generosity. However, at the beginning of verse 8, Paul's tone is important and worth noting. He is not commanding them. He's setting a test of the sincerity of their love by comparing it with the earnestness of others. Paul is not being heavy-handed or domineering because he recognises what the Bible declares, namely, that when it comes to the matter of the individual believers giving to God's work, it is not a matter of the law, but a matter of individual conscience. We each have a responsibility to submit ourselves to the authority of Scripture as it comes home to our minds and our hearts. This passage begins with Paul putting forward the Macedonian believers as a good example for the church in Corinth to follow. But let's move forward to verse 5, Thank you, Andrew. where Paul says that they gave themselves first to the Lord. Their money, their giving, was an expression, one expression, of their devotion to Jesus. And since they had effectively put themselves in the offertory plate, then the money followed naturally. I'd suggest this is pretty foundational. Becoming a Christian is the giving of ourselves to the Lord. And if we don't get this right, or don't understand this, then I suggest that all of the other stuff will be out of line. Here's a question as important for me to answer as to each of you. Is Jesus Lord of my mind and my affections? Is he Lord of my goals and my dreams and my future? And is he Lord of my finances? William Booth was asked on one occasion, how did he explain the peculiar usefulness that God had made of him in the founding and framing of the Salvation Army? And he replied, without any hint of pride, Jesus Christ has all of me. Rather akin to the Macedonians who gave themselves first to the Lord. So let's go back to verse 1, which says they gave in response to the grace of God. That's why Paul says here, now brothers and sisters, we want you to know about the grace that God has given the Macedonian churches. This shouldn't be a total surprise, because any consideration of giving inevitably begins with the fact of God's giving. That God is the giver of every good and perfect gift, as it says in James 1, verse 17. And in perhaps one of the most famous and significant Bible verses, John 3, 16, the giving of God of his only Son. And then on to verse 9 in the passage we read, You know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor, so that you, through his poverty, might become rich. 
In this passage, there is a thread of three words that each begin with the letter G. These words are grace, gratitude, and giving. I would suggest that any attempt to give to God with any kind of mechanism that doesn't begin with the grace of God is flawed. The starting point is not the needs of the world, significant as they are, or the particular concerns of this or that. The starting point is, should be, the grace of God. God is a giving God, and because he is such a giving God, we should be grateful. And our gratitude should then release itself in our own giving. The more we become aware of God's grace in our lives, in our circumstances, the more we will respond with a thankfulness which generates, as in verse 2 of the passage, in overflowing joy. If we're God's children and we're going to take on the family likeness, then one of the characteristics of God's children is generosity. It's really interesting that Paul uses the Macedonian church, churches as an example. It was not because they were rolling in money, but because they faced extreme trial and at the same time extreme poverty. It's bizarre, isn't it? But he uses them as an example. What does verse 2 say? Out of the most severe trial, their overflowing joy and their extreme poverty welled up in rich generosity. Grace, gratitude, giving. You may be familiar with that verse in Malachi 3, verse 10, where God says to his people, bring all the tithes into the storehouse. Why? So that there will be enough food in my temple. If you do, says the Lord of heaven's armies, I will throw open the windows of heaven for you. I will pour out a blessing so great you won't have enough room to take it in. Put me to the test. Now, of course, it's entirely possible that the Macedonian churches were reading this verse. And maybe they decided to put God to the test. Um, Andrew, you don't need to turn to this, but if we look at the next chapter, which is 2 Corinthians 9, and in verse 10, it says, Now he, God, who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food, will also supply and increase your store of seed, and will enlarge the harvest of your righteousness. And the next verse, verse 11 says, I love this, you will be enriched in every way, so that you can be generous on every occasion, and through us your generosity will result in thanksgiving to God. Do you see the cycle here? Grace, which is the generosity of God, granted to the people of God, so that the people of God may then manifest the grace of God in their generosity, so that generosity may not be an end in itself, but may result in thanksgiving and praise to God. The cycle starts and finishes with God. 
it's not a matter of do, do this so that you can get that. It's do this because you should. God blesses this, and when he does, he wants you to be generous. And when you're generous, God is glorified. It's worth remembering that God who gives everything is the God who made everything. He's the God who requires everything. He's the God who owns everything. And he's the God who ultimately deserves the praise for everything. In verse 3 of the passage, Paul states that the Macedonians gave as much as they were able. And then, astonishingly, he says, even beyond their ability. Now clearly, this does not mean you getting yourselves into financial difficulties through your giving. But it may mean foregoing a legitimate want in order to supply a legitimate need. That's quite challenging. If our giving stays within the realm of our comfort zone, it could be said that we don't understand giving. That's why Jesus told the story about the widow and her might. She gave all that she had, whereas most of us simply give out of our wealth. The widow's only hope was that God who saw her would provide for her needs. After all, he is the God who sees the sparrow fall to the ground. Matthew 10, 29. And in Matthew 6, verse 30, it says, And he also clothes the grass of the field, which is today here, and tomorrow is thrown into the fire. The end of verse 3 in the passage, Paul states they gave entirely on their own. In other words, they gave without being prompted or prodded. 2 Corinthians 9, verse 7 says, Each of you should give what you have decided in your heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. And finally, in verse 4 of the passage, Paul states, they urgently pleaded with us for the privilege of sharing in this service to the Lord's people. If I were to send you an anonymous gift, important thing, anonymous gift, and you were in need, and your need was met as a result of the envelope which has come underneath your door. The only place you can go is the only place you need to go, which is God. He supplies all your needs and who knows you. So your giving, my giving, has not only met the needs of the people, but it has resulted in a sense of overflowing thankfulness to God. It's that cycle again. Uh, you'll be delighted to know I'm coming to land now. As I do, I want to draw your attention to verse 8, where Paul says that he wants to test the sincerity of your love. These sound pretty tough words to me. So I want to leave you with five questions. 
Firstly, am I giving myself first to the Lord? Or in other words, does Jesus have all of me? Secondly, am I giving it in response to God's grace? In other words, is that why I give? Thirdly, am I giving beyond my ability? Or in other words, am I giving beyond my comfort zone? Fourthly, am I giving without external compulsion? Or in other words, am I giving without being prompted? And fifthly, am I clamouring for the privilege of serving the saints? Or in other words, am I clamouring for opportunities to give to the saints? Let's pray. Father, we pray that you will write your word in our hearts as we ponder these things. We want to give ourselves first to you. We want to give in response to your grace. Help us as we take these matters to heart in our individual and family circumstances. And as they spill into our responsibilities as a church family too. And we ask these things in the precious name of and for the glory of Jesus Christ. Amen.